What's up, guys? Welcome back to Lightside F1 Podcast. I'm Patrick. That's Jakob. And uh, we had Hungary today. So, first off, you're probably excited because Lewis got a pole position for the first time in two years. Oh, my God. <laughs> if only if only to be disappointed by the race. I mean, it was a good... You should have expected it. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was a good, it was a good qualifying session. Uh, he he pulled he pulled it out of the bag honestly because it didn't it there was no purple sectors he it was just pretty much all green sectors all personal best but on the right on the right on the track at the right moment at the right time yeah. um, and you want to be the last to cross the line in a, in a Q3 session so. yeah uh, all credit to him I think it was more it was him dragging that car to places it might it obviously doesn't deserve to be <laughs> so it was a, it was a good session it was a good session. Yeah, uh, probably one of the more exciting qualifying sessions. I'd say up there with Monaco. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, but the McLarens. I mean, Claire's not here, so we don't have to worry about the whole woo type of deal, but the McLarens are just so quick right now. Yeah, they're looking, they're looking incredibly quick. And, I mean, everyone says um, that... Um, um everyone says that um hungary and budapest is a more of a um slow speed corner type track but realistically it's a medium speed corner uh track because i think they don't dip below second gear ever i think during during the entire during the entire lap Mm -hmm. and uh um so um you know it was bound to perform well there since it's good in high speed corners and realistically it is a mildly high-speed track, so um, yeah, it was a good, it was a good showing. Three weekends in a row now that they've that they've had a good pro, that they've had a good performance. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say they've probably they've probably they're probably competing with Mercedes Mercedes for the second for the second fastest car. Whether they can make the leap to P two in the constructors is yet to be seen. But uh, yeah, good showing for Lando and Oscar. Yeah. Um... I guess let's just start off with Red Bull. So Max overtook Lewis at the very start and then kind of just went off into the distance. Uh, I mean, he pulled out. Like, they said that their upgrade was worth two-tenths, but it looks like it was worth a lot more than that in race trim. Um, I think in race trim it actually was closer to, like, three-and-a-half to four-tenths. And uh, I think at one point during the race, probably before the pit stop, uh, Max was up to 35 seconds ahead of the next person. Which is yeah. <laughs> kind of insane when you think about it. Um, and he also put, was able to push the tires for more laps than anybody else. I think he pushed the side of mediums to 27 laps. Um, where I think the closest person to it was probably either Lewis or Fernando. And I think they pushed it for 24. So, yeah, yeah they broke the record as well for most races in a row won by a team. Uh, McLaren held that from yeah. 1988 with Senna and Prost. Um, and... They got twelve now, so I'm pro- I'm pretty sure they'll probably yeah. have it for most of the season. Yep. <laughs> um, that's 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 not a record that's being beaten. Yeah. They'll probably win, but they'll, they'll win. I mean, they'll probably win all the races, the, the remainder of the races. Um, Unless so, like you failure, but yeah, true. But like it hasn't, they haven't looked like they're facing any reliability issues. So, yeah. um. Yeah, I don't think that's a record that's going to be touched for a very, very long time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe start of 2026 when, some, like, hopefully somebody makes a really good engine, but 
that's a hope. Yeah. Um, but also Sergio Perez finally gets into Q three. Uh, took him five races to get there, but he got there and uh made a great recovery drive if you want to call it that from I think seventh to third today. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So good drive from him. Uh, your thoughts on his overall performance this weekend? Listen, it's still we. It's still the fastest car on the grid. It's still the it's still the best car on the grid. Mm-hmm. And this idea that um, you know that was a great drive. That was if that was Max Verstappen starting in P seven, he would still won the race. Oh yeah, hundred percent. So you know, all credit to him. Great, great drive. Good drive. Got his elbows out. You know, he looked like he got his. He looked like the old Sergio Perez, but. We said this in Austria again when he when he had a good comeback drive. Oh, he you know he's got his mojo back and just he just tanked in the next two races. So or the next race. So you know I will. I'm not gonna give him. I'm not gonna you know say he's back. I'm gonna say he he is still very much on the ropes with the Red Bull team. I think because yeah. he he is still at risk of losing P2 in the in the drivers championship. In my opinion, I think Lewis is now his. Lewis is now like it seems to me that Lewis is in like prime form of the season. He's 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 ramping up for his his he's the second off second off of the season peaker. So yeah, he'll peak now, and I think that's that's something that Perez needs to look at. But uh, I'll I'll believe it when I see it. I need a, at least three or four races of consistent form to say that he's back. Yeah, um, obviously we saw Lando on the podium. Uh, he actually had a kind of tough race today, I'd say. Um. Probably for the, like from laps like fifty six to sixty six, he was terrified of Checo behind him. <laughs> uh, Checo cut yeah. down that gap from what was like six point six down to like one point three seconds at one point. Yeah, and uh, got a little antsy on the radio <laughs> with his race engineer. Yeah, he's a he's a likable guy, but like Lando has these moments where he makes these comments yeah. and it's you just you just it, he comes off as super arrogant because like that. That radio with the with the blue flags and like he said, oh, they're not racing for anything. Yeah. I mean, you were there not too long ago, so yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think I think that has to be like a greater, like a little bit of more respect shown. Then, so I mean, yeah, obviously in the heat of the moment, it's fine, but you know, great performance. But also like literal heat of the moment because they were up to like fifty degrees Celsius on track. Exactly. Track, so yeah. It's pretty freaking yeah, hot. Exactly. I can see why people would get kind of ticked off. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, but then on the other end of the spectrum, uh, Oscar Piastri had a fantastic start. Like, could not have been any yeah. better. Uh, but after his first scent kind of just trailed off, what do you think happened there? I don't know. I think it, I think it was primarily tires. I think there was there. I think most people did a two stopper this this week this weekend, and yeah. so um, the tires. Like we're, I think there was probably higher deg than they anticipated because a lot of the drivers were complaining about higher deg, and obviously the heat has some has a lot to do with that. Yeah. And and honestly, I don't know. Like honestly, I don't think he had like it wasn't he didn't drop off. I think it's just that faster cars and better drivers got the better of him. Yeah. He lost out to Perez, Perez and Lewis, right? So I can see him losing out to Checo. I mean, I was half expecting Checo to pass up Lando, but. Uh, when he lost out to Lewis, I was a little surprised because during Oscar's first stint, he held on to like an eight-second gap to 
uh, Max for a pretty good portion of the race, and then he was on the same tire strategy as Lando. Uh, I think they had what is in essence an equal tire strategy where they just won medium, hard, medium. Uh, but during his last stint, he was like, I want to say six or seven tenths laps slower than the other people in top five. Yeah, I mean, for me, like, I was not, I was a bit surprised that he lost out to Lewis initially, but then as the fuel burnt off of Lewis's car, you kind of, he, Lewis was like, had there been like five more laps, I genuinely believe that Lewis would have been third on, third on the podium. Oh, 100%. He was annihilating Perez's Perez's gap to him, so yeah. it was it was it was quite impressive to see. So I think, listen, it's a, overall, you know, he finished what fifth, yeah. Piastri. So I think it's a great. I mean, it's it's a great showing. Third and second and fifth is a great showing from the McLaren guys. So I think they don't really have a lot to worry about. You know, we'll see how they go in spots and whether they go good. There is going to be a question, but like we'll see. Yeah. Um, so McLaren are now, uh, basically at half the points that Ferrari has, and they've made up more than two thirds of those points in the last two or two or three races. <laughs> so, and, uh, kind of going to it though, Ferrari are struggling tremendously. Um, I think what they get today, sixth and seventh, seventh and eighth. Um, yeah, he lost, yeah, he probably lost, Leclerc lost position, right? Uh, uh, yeah, he lost George. position to George, yeah. Um, yeah, and yeah. science maybe right because science Sign, maybe not. Yeah, Carlos lost his position to George, but no, uh, Charles was still five seconds ahead of Carlos. Okay, yeah. okay. Um, but like <laughs> they do so well in qualifying, and I don't think they did awesome during this one. But uh, I mean, Carlos missed out on his first Q three appearance of the entire season. So first off, remarkable consistency from him. Uh, yeah, yeah. Especially given the car underneath him, but um. Yeah, I mean, they just—they it doesn't seem like they have enough. Like they don't—they don't have what it takes to just get to the front and stay there. Like they get to the front and then they make what they call an upgrade package, and then they just move backwards. And it feels like they just keep moving backwards right now. Yeah, that's the that's the uh, signature Ferrari move. Ferrari get to the front and then the move. <laughs> get to the front and then move backwards. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's a pattern. It's a it's a pattern that is repeated with them mm-hmm. since they got there. They've, every year they have like a good car, a second place, a second place car competing for a championship for the couple for the first half of the season, and then it just disappears. Mm-hmm. And I think over the last few years, it's been accentuated by the fact that reliability and bad strategy, and they just haven't had um, consistency. So, yeah. but yeah, I think um, I think. I'd imagine Fred Visser is under a little bit of pressure. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, Charles Leclerc is <laughs> probably Great dying to get out of here. <laughs> yeah. And to be fair, though, I think, Charles, I think to be fair to Ferrari, Charles Leclerc has been treated as a golden boy for a little too long. Yes. Um, so he, he just, like, I think... Yeah, I just think that they need to stop treating him like a golden boy and also stop acting like... They're the best team on the. I think they they think like they're the best team on the grid in terms because of their iconicism and because of their history. But the history isn't helping them, and the iconicism isn't work is definitely lost because now as I'd say Mercedes and Red Bull are now the top, like you the most teams you associate with F one. Mm. Um, so I think I think they have a lot to do to get their act together. Yeah, and also kind of like 
going back to the Charles thing, it, they don't have to make Charles their, like, they can't make him their definitive number one driver because he's not right now. Exactly. And, and it's frustrating because, like, Carlos is clearly showing on basically every race and every qualifying session that he can be where Charles is. Maybe not exactly every single race, but, like, I'd say they're a good 50-50 split on, like, who's better on race day. Yeah, I think um, I firmly believe that. I think I, I will stand by my thing that Charles Leclerc is a is a future world champion or has the potential to be a future world champion. Yeah, but he lacks the consistency that that you need to be one, and he lacks the I think the, in some ways the motivation uh, that will that for example Lewis right for the last few years they've had a rough time. Uh, the, at least the team has had a rough time, and but still, over two years, consistent, helping the team build up to get to where they are now, you know, raking in the points that he needs to bring in. And I don't think Charles has that mentality yet. Maybe if he, maybe he won't ever have it. But I think between him and science, I think it's time. I think Ferrari need to sort of like say, you know, what, we're done prioritizing you two. Your only job now is to rake points in mm. and help us develop this car and. Because they're not competing for the championship. They're not even competing for second when they have the championship. So I think right now they need to like stop this. Okay, we're not going to, we're going to prioritize Lewis's, uh, Carlos is going to just be second, second gunner. Yep. I think they just need to like be like, go and get the points. We don't care who finishes where. Test out, test out our development parts, test out the upgrades. We need to get back on the top. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of help needed over there. <laughs> Um, Lots of help. It's a really weird dynamic because you have a driver who is expecting to be treated like a number one and a team who wants to treat him like a number one, but they also have a second yeah. driver who is arguably better right now. Exactly, yeah. So, um, Kind of on the same thing, George overtaking Carlos, like the radio call he gave to his race engineer <laughs> asking to switch tires, like six laps before the end of the race and then goes on to overtake Carlos. What the heck is he on? I definitely think that was a bluff for Ferrari. I think Ferrari had just gotten a little too comfortable in their position yeah. and suddenly George was right up the right up to behind of Carlos and that and when he came around that final corner went a little bit wide, like intentionally took the wide line yeah. and then slingshotted himself. That was some that was some overtake on him yes i mean obviously the basic the basic it was a basic overtake and to go and take the inside line and then dive and then take the corner yeah but the build-up to it was quite was quite was quite a special thing so i think it was it was a bluff that they were trying to play on ferrari and ferrari in their infinite wisdom fell for it so <laughs> yeah. yeah um yeah, his entire third sector up to the overtake, he looked like he was trying to overtake it literally every corner. And then exactly, yeah. And then Carlos had a little slip up at the very end of the fourteenth corner, and George just like almost hit him actually. Yeah. So great overtake on his part, and then obviously closed down the gap to Charles to take sixth. So, I mean, yep. it feels like right now Ferrari is their challenge is going to be holding on to third place rather than fighting for fourth. Or, uh, their challenge is going to be holding on to fourth place rather than for, uh, fighting for third. Because McLaren's oh, catching yeah, Fashion and they're catching Mercedes or Aston Martin. Yeah. But 100%. on that topic, uh, I, Aston yeah. Martin. <laughs> <laughs> that is a team that needs help. 
this is a track that everybody thought they were going to be fantastic on because during Bahrain, they were great in medium speed and slow speed corners. Actually, every track where there's a lot of medium and slow speed corners, they've been awesome. And so it's like, Hungary, that's that's just Hungary. And they yeah. got ninth and 10th. <laughs> so, like, what's yeah. going on there? Just, just Is it like a case of they're just getting outdeveloped? Are the drivers losing motivation to, like, keep going? Or, like, what's going on? I think... I don't know if they're getting outdeveloped. I mean, possibly. I mean, obviously, they've been outdeveloped by McLaren. That is very consistent. Yeah. They have maybe been outdeveloped by Mercedes, but for the most part, Mercedes, since the big side pod upgrade, they've only brought a new front wing. Yeah. And I think they have one more plan for Spa, and that's pretty much the pretty much the end of it. In terms of big upgrades, I think there's going to be smaller ones, but the big ones will be at Spa. And so I think they've definitely been outdeveloped, but I just think that they. They, I, I don't know. I think they've, they've tried something that is mixing mixing a bunch of cars, right? They've tried to mix the Mercedes suspension with the Red Bull side pods, and like a, it's a big aspect of all the different cars. And I think throughout that, they've sort of lost. They, I think they don't think their upgrades are working clearly because they're not. They've had a severe drip, drop in performance, and we all know how Fernando Alonso can be when he gets when he doesn't have a when he suddenly realizes that he has a bad car, he gets toxic and yeah. pissy and whiny. And so um, I, I think it's just a case of being outdeveloped plus uh, just not understanding the car to the fullest extent. Yeah. I mean, I don't think Fernando's in that like mindset yet of getting like, you know, like you said, pissy about it. But uh, it was weird because he gave the radio call like, you know, that he heard that the Ferraris were struggling with their tires. He's like, okay, let's put some pressure on them and then proceeds to fall back even further. So was like, yeah. what was that? No, yeah, I think uh, I think they got a little bit too, too ahead of themselves yeah. with the first, when they started getting podiums. I think they had this this thing that oh yeah we're we're definitely beating Mercedes. Uh, we're competing with Mercedes and Ferrari. We're better than both of them. And I think um, Mercedes have shown that they're obviously better, and Ferrari haven't shown, but on pace they're better. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, moving backwards, uh, Alex Albon. Uh, held off Valtteri for, I want to say, 16 laps nonstop in DRS. Yeah. So uh, it's nothing, I don't think it's surprising at this point for anybody to see Alex Albon like holding up people like that anymore. Just because like nobody overtakes a Williams on a straight line anymore at yeah. all. Actually, not even a Red Bull could. It's insane. Um, yep. I don't know if you were watching the tech talks at all before the race started but they showed how every team's development has gone um red bull this race have gone up about two and a half tenths uh over the entire season uh according to the data uh mercedes have gone up about um 1.8 tenths uh ferrari have gone up 0.07 uh <laughs> mclaren have gone up 0.73 like seven and a half tenths of a second over the season yeah um, Aston Martin have gone up one tenth, and then Williams sitting in sixth have gone up uh, f- almost five tenths. So the two largest gainers out of the whole field are obviously McLaren and Williams, and you can actually see that. Yeah. But the fact of the matter yeah. is that it feels like the teams underneath Williams at this point, which are AlphaTauri, Alfa Romeo, and um, Haas, just aren't doing anything. Yeah. Um, but 
one thing I think we can be shocked about for Alfa Romeo is both their cars in Q3. Oh, yes. That was awesome. I think the new, it, it was definitely accentuated by the new alternate tire, the yeah. ATA rule. Um, I don't necessarily, obviously the rule made a good qualifying session, but the practices, I didn't watch too many practices, but I heard they were um, not fun for fans. Because cars were not going out on track, and it was just like a couple laps and come back in. Yeah, so um, FP1 was basically thrown away. Like, nobody went out after uh, the rain started coming down. Like, there was two red flags, and then after that, like, nobody went out anymore. Because it's just like, race day, we know there's going to be no rain, and it's going to be toasty as hell, so we're not going out there. <laughs> It'd be a waste of data. Um, and then FP2 was right after the F2 qualifying, and so, like, the track was kind of rubbered in, but it was still a little bit wet. Uh, and, like, teams went out, but it was really just, like, testing out each of the tires, since uh, with the ATA, they also brought slightly different um, constructions for the tires, uh, which were tested in Silverstone and Spain, was it? Um, yeah. So they brought those new tires as well, and I think the tires held up pretty well. I think it's nice just because the tires were burning out kind of fast, and so strategy did play a play a pretty nice role here um yeah but i mean what are your thoughts on the new tire allocation that they had for this race uh look it can't be argued that it made qualifying more exciting mm -hmm. um i think you could have easily instead of you know getting rid of one or two softs or one or two hards you could have easily just said, you know, we're going to throw out a bunch of wets and we'll give you a couple more. We'll increase the, the dry tire allocation because realistically, you don't need that many wets, yeah. that many wet tires. So, well, I think they have uh, two sets of super wets and then four sets of intermediates, which, I mean, the intermediates do go out kind of fast. So, understandable having those. Yeah. And, but like, um, there's no need, like, no. Anytime you need a soup, like everybody knows, and anytime you need a super wet tire, that race isn't happening. <laughs> and the FIA is not all that happens. So what's the point, right? Yeah. Give them one, give, it'll be like a couple laps on the safety car, and then, okay. Okay, Bill. Um, so, <laughs> exactly. So give them like one set of super wets, and on certain weekends that you expect, on a, on a dry weekend, weekend, you expect to be dry. Like, so races like Budapest where you know you expect it to be dry, Monza you expect it to be dry. Give them one set of super wets, two sets of intermediates, and give them more dry tires mm -hmm. so that you're able to sort of get more running on track during practice. Um more, more not even from a like a you know like a practice perspective, but more for the fans as a whole. Like people are watching online, people are watching in the stands. Yep. Like obviously um you want them to be able to experience the full thing, and it's not really fun. Like, it's not fun if you know they're doing like some drivers won't go at all. Some drivers will do like three laps and then pop back in and say, "All right, I'm done for the session." Yeah. So, you know, I think that I think there's a different solution to be had that that's slightly better than this one. Mm. I mean, I can understand that. Yeah, I wouldn't say give them more dry sets of tires just because they do have like before this they had 13 sets and eight of those were soft tires. Quite frankly, yeah. nobody used the soft tires outside of uh, outside of qualifying unless it's a really, really good reason. Like maybe Mexico when soft tires last for half the race, but if the tires only last for 12 laps, nobody's using them. Um, yeah. So I do like the way that they did it. Uh, four sets of soft tires. And I mean, 
the teams that didn't like knew they were making it to Q3 used all their soft tires before qualifying. Um, and then they just saved a set of uh, hards and mediums. And I think it's kind of nice because all tires that are used in qualifying, unless they're punctured, you get to keep for the race. And so when you use yeah. those brand new hards and mediums for qualifying, at least you still have those for the race and they're already rubbered in. So I kind of like it. Maybe instead of three sets of hards, though, because quite frankly, that's too many. I think two is a good number to give people. Uh, maybe give them yeah. three sets of hards and then just give them another set of softs. Like five sets of softs, four sets of mediums, and then two sets of hards because nobody needs two sets. Like nobody needs more than two sets. Use one for the like, practice, and then you can use one for qualifying in the race. Yep, um, I agree. But the other thing is Daniel Ricardo's comeback. He got P13. I think he started P13 as well. So, I mean, he, what were you expecting? He beat Yuki. He did do that. What were you expecting from him today, though? Today? I think at one point I saw him dead lost. Yes. And I thought, all right, well, there's, where's, there's, there's Daniel. I was like, dead. he's dead lost. I mean, that's pretty much, pretty much how I thought it would go. Yeah. Um, you know, for the first race back, you know, I thought, you know, it will be difficult for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, definitely exceeded expectations. Um, beat Yuki. Um, maybe through, whether it was through strategy or pace, definitely, uh, you know. And still, and despite the, you know, give him credit, despite the accident uh, in the first corner on the first lap, you know, I think he got whacked by uh, Joe and then yes. proceeded to take out to the Alpines. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know. Credit to what credit where it's due. He he did the he did the job. Mm. Um, now let's just see if he can maybe score some points. Uh, P ten maybe a couple times. Um, get some help that team. Anything. Yeah, else. basically, and honestly, just beat Yuki. Even if you're not scoring points, if your ultimate goal is a Red Bull seat, beat Yuki. Yes. Because Red Bull find an excuse to fire Perez and hire you, so just beat Yuki. Yes. They just want to, like, I think at this point, like, yeah, Checo might get second place, but I think they're just looking for a reason to use Daniel on that team. And if he yeah. can't beat Yuki, I don't think they'll have a reason to use him. Exactly. Um, Haas qualified 19th, and I think Hulkenberg was 9th for the race. And then didn't get any points. I think they fell yeah. 14 and 17th. Yeah. Did we maybe overestimate what they were going to be capable of this year when they said that they were going to be operating at the budget cap? I think so. I think we might have... I don't know if we overestimated. I think you, when people say they're operating at the budget cap, you expect them to sort of uh, make steps forward. And maybe this is... Maybe it's not... Maybe they're not just not... They've decided that this... Is not the car that they're going to focus on. They're going to focus on next year's car. I, you know, I don't know. I haven't really paid attention to what Gunter Steiner has been saying. But been saying much. Exactly. So I think, um, I think for sure, I think, the, I think the focus might have been on next year's car. I think, I think they've sort of realized that okay, uh, this car is probably peaked at where it's at in terms of um, its performance and how it does on race pace. And I think. Developing a car so that it doesn't eat its back tires the way the Haas does and and overcook them, I think that takes a significant chunk of budget, and so that may, maybe they've just decided that we're going to deal with this car and next season we'll have a better car. So I don't know if we overestimated, but I think it's just maybe we got a little too excited about the fact that they're 
yeah. that they were sure we're doing good over time. I mean, yeah, understandable, and I do understand that. But they're sitting at eleven points right now. I think uh, Hulkenberg has scored uh, seven. Hulkenberg scored nine. KMX scored two. Um, quite frankly, I don't think Gunter Stein is gonna be very happy with a team that scores less points than it did last year, which was twenty-seven. So yeah. But the thing is, with the way that they're going right now, you got to get the feeling that it doesn't look like they're going to score points anytime soon, right? Uh, they are not scoring points anytime soon, I think. It'll take, it'll take like, um, Spa 2021 type situation for them if they can get, like, a really good qualifying in and the race is a complete portion. Or, like, like a big accident, like, where a couple of maybe three to four drivers take something like that so i think you know maybe maybe if they have an upgrade plan maybe it'll help but if they don't i think it's going to be a sort of a points pointless sort of season for them yeah. but um i think also they have to sort of i think gundersteiner needs to re- re- revisit his technical department because whatever they're doing is not working yeah so i think um he needs to sort of you know i think they've had the same guys for a long time now so i think it might be time to sort of take a little bit of an investigation into what's going on yeah i mean now that you're operating technically at the budget cap it might be time to not only look at the car but also the team you have under you you have the money to change what's there now so it wouldn't be exactly yeah just like you know maybe it's time for a new uh head of arrow or or something um the one team that's kind of hard to talk about because everything that happened to them today is totally out of their hands uh was alpine I mean, Joe trying to make it yeah. up by outbreaking himself in the corner, slamming into the back of Daniel, who inadvertently uh, slammed into the back of Akon, who then took out the right tire or rear left tire of uh, Pierre Gasly, and they're both out of the race because of it. Is a five second penalty like worth? I mean, is it worth it to just give somebody a five second penalty for taking out two people? I don't know. I think it. Maybe in maybe if it looks intentional or it's sort of you know it it's a series of events that you can definitely say it was not a racing incident. There was more that could have been done yeah. to prevent that accident. Then yes, then yes, that's a five second or ten second penalty. I think first lap, start of the race, first lap, first corner. It's just difficult to gauge um, how who to appropriate blame to. You can obviously in this case, Joe was pro- Joe was one. Who was probably to blame in that sense because he yeah. uh, broke himself, hit Daniel. Daniel then took out the took out one Alpine, and the other Alpine took out the other Alpine. So um, tough, but you know, yeah. Um, it feels like Alpine are kind of where they are. Uh, I think they're gonna have to settle for sixth place this season. They're not catching McLaren. Uh, quite frankly, I think McLaren is. I think there's something to be said about McLaren right now. Uh, Obviously, they're doing well, but I think compared to the teams around them, I think McLaren is one of the most forward-facing teams. Um, Yeah. Like, Ferrari, I feel like, has been looking behind their backs since, like, the halfway mark of last season. Mercedes, you can say they're looking forward, but it still feels like they're looking kind of behind them. Yeah. Aston Martin is clearly looking behind them because they haven't made any steps forward, but McLaren are just charging straight ahead with this. Um, and so I'm kind of curious, like, they're planning on bringing another upgrade package to Belgium. 
Uh, it was supposed to come this weekend, but uh, something along the lines of transportation issues, uh, they couldn't get the parts in fast enough, so they'll have all of them for next week. Uh, and so, I mean, it kind of gets you excited, doesn't it? McLaren have an upgrade coming next yeah. year, next race? Yeah. Oh, for the love of Christ. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, 100%. I think, um, obviously, whatever they're doing is working. So, you know, um, if, they, if, if the upgrade works and it sort of makes them consistent against all the, on all the remaining tracks, you know, Ferrari is definitely up for grabs yeah. um, in terms of their championship position. Aston... And Mercedes, I think, maybe not because despite the McLarens being Foster, Lewis, George, Aston maybe if their decline keeps going. Yeah. But Mercedes, Lewis and George are showing, Lewis especially, is showing consistency. He's in the top five pretty much every race. Yeah. Um, so Mercedes might be a little bit out of reach, but Aston and Ferrari are definitely, I think, up for grabs in terms of yeah. they could potentially maybe leapfrog Ferrari in the constructors. I can definitely see that, because, uh, I mean, they've scored, I want to say, six or seven times as many points as both Aston and Ferrari over the past three races. Uh, and, I mean, leapfrogging them is not going to take too much more. Like, maybe another four races yeah. like this. Um, I think Mercedes are going to have second place wrapped up, just because the gap between them and McLaren is, like, 140 points. Uh yeah, Lando and Oscar keep getting two and five, but as long as uh, as long as Lewis is up there in third or even second sometimes, uh, and George just gets seventh or sixth, then I don't think McLaren are catching them. Um, I'm all. I also didn't know about the Mercedes upgrade that's coming next week. Um, I think there's an upgrade coming next yeah. week. I I could be wrong. I I thought I read somewhere that there's a bigger upgrade coming next week. So yeah. Um, we'll see. I think, uh, there's, as far as I know, there's four teams bringing upgrades next week that are supposed to be major updates. Well, okay, McLaren's is going to be a major one, but it is an update nonetheless. So McLaren's bringing one, uh, Williams is bringing one, Red Bull is bringing a different rear wing, specifically for Spa, and then, um, Aston Martin is bringing a new front wing, as far as I'm aware. Uh, Aston Martin is up in the air. None of the other teams, as far as I know, are bringing one. Um, but I'm most excited for Williams, obviously, just because obviously I'm a fan of them. But also, like, Belgium is a track where, theoretically, they should score points on. Um, and I'm really hoping yeah. that Logan Sargent can get a point there. <laughs> <laughs> it's a long time, I mean... but... He's showing pace now. Like I feel like now that he actually has the upgrade package, Silverstone, I think he got P11, and then today I want to say he got 13th or 14th, which not yeah. great. But uh, where did he finish out, actually? Wait, Logan didn't finish today's race. No, yeah, he DNF'd right at the, on the last lap because I of this. I did not know that. He looped it around, and I think they were like, all right, that's enough for you. Okay, <laughs> DNF. He was doing I think he well. might have... Yeah, he was doing well. I, I don't know if maybe there was some issue, but he definitely, I saw him loop, I think he took too much of the corner and then looped it around. Yeah. And maybe there was a subsequent issue, but I didn't, I think they just sort of said, okay, it's over, so just come back in. Yeah. Um, but I do want him to score, I mean, just because both he's an American and also I like Williams, but also he's a rookie and I would enjoy watching him get at least like a P10. 
Like, if he gets one yeah. point this year, I'm going to be exuberant. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Spa is probably the best place for it just because... that or Monza? It's... Yeah, or Monza. Spa is probably... Spa and Monza are probably the best place for it because that car is super... Uh, friggin' rocket ship in a straight line. Um, so I think if they, if he can have like a good qualifying session, like just just put together like at one of those two tracks, just put together a good qualifying session. Sort of like maybe like watch how Alex goes about it and put together a really good qualifying session. And I, he could definitely score some points if he can like get into the, get into Q three. Then points are definitely on. Yeah. Um. This is, I think this is one of those weird situations though. Williams is always the first team out of the out of the pit lane during qualifying for every single session, um, both because they're sitting at the end of the pit lane and also they just get their cars out there like four or five minutes before anybody else and just have them sit there. Yeah, so, I mean it's nice, and I also think they switch off who's in front every single time. Um, I think Alex. Been, yeah, that's most interesting. Yeah, I think Alex has been sitting in the front more, just so that way Logan can learn from him while he's driving behind yeah. him. But um, <laughs> there is a tiny rumor, and I don't think it's much of a rumor as much as the fact that Logan's not exactly happy with the portrayal of the team right now. Um, like the team right now is Alex Albon, and when it comes to media duties, usually Alex Albon's the only one being shown. They had a live Q and A that was like an hour long, and it was only Alex on there. Um, when yeah. they talk about the team, it's like Alex. And like, I mean, it's understandable being frustrated by that, but also like if you want to make yourself known within the team, you kind of got to score points. Yeah, I mean, I think every driver, every team has that type of an issue. So it's not just specific to Logan. Like I'm sure, um, you know, Daniel was, when Daniel and Max were together, when Max was, you know, beating him, it was Max, Max, Max. Yeah. Um, when Lewis and Valtteri were teammates, it was Lewis, Lewis, Lewis. And even now, Lewis is beating George, it's Lewis, Lewis, Lewis. Even so, when George was beating uh, Lewis, it was Lewis, Lewis. It's true. <laughs> that, tells you, that tells you how like iconic like all these drivers are. Yeah. Um, Lando and Piastri, Lando is more iconic one. Yeah. It tells you how these, they're, they're performing, they're consistent, they're... Um, they have the personality that that can sort of that you can project out there, and people like that personality. I haven't heard Logan Sargent say anything. Honestly, I don't think they show, his, think they show his radio calls at all. <laughs> I've, I've exactly. I've maybe heard him speak once in a press conference, and so it's, I think if he grows into that, you know, the only American bring that bring more of a personality. He's sort of like Lance Stroll. It's like yeah. very dead. That's fine, but you know, you you have the unique opportunity of being the only American driver on the grid right now. And that's something you could definitely play into to get if you're really that desperate about wanting attention and wanting to be seen as equal to Alex, which you're not if you don't perform. But on personality gauge, if you want to be seen as equal to Alex, then there's an opportunity there for him to take. Whether he does it or not is a different issue. Yeah, I think uh, he's probably in one of the more fortunate opportunities on the grid given that he's probably not losing his seat anytime soon um yeah even if he scores zero points i'm pretty sure nobody wants to get rid of him like james Fowles is outwardly spoken he's like he wasn't my first choice but i am okay with keeping him even if he doesn't score points and like when you have that kind of security you literally don't need to worry about anything else besides just learning like if 
if yeah. you know for a fact you're getting a second year in that seat, just literally look at the guy next to you who's put against some absurd performances and just learn from him. It doesn't, like, it's True. okay to show some humility and just ask him, like, hey, how are you doing this? True, yeah. But I think also the flip side of that is every team principal is going to tell is going to tell the media that, no, yeah, our second driver has our full support. He's definitely going to be there next season. I think um, uh, I mean, Mercedes and Red Bull are very blatant about uh, who's not going to be there. <laughs> yeah, Mercedes, I mean, right now Mercedes, obviously, George is contracted. I think they're going to talk about an extension at the end of the year because it was supposed to be done in the middle of the year, but um, they're pushing it to the end of the year because he's... Um, worry about being in Lewis's shadow for too long, mm-hmm. um, which is absurd to me because the best person you want to l- drive with is Lewis Hamilton. Why would you want to drive with anyone else? Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, no, it, uh, like not even as a yeah bias, but like just on like Lewis is was willing to teach. He's willing to share. Yeah. Whereas if you went to go if if George went and drove alongside Mac. They would be crashing into each other every, every quite a bit. No, I think George so, would probably pull a Charles and lose all motivation to drive the car because, quite frankly, I don't. Think, possibly, I don't think George would drive, be able to keep up with them. Yeah, but like every so often when he did, they'd be crashing into each other because oh, George is a strong. Is a you know elbows out. So yeah, I think if I think Logan Sargent, um, and if he does keep that second the seat for the second season, I think. Uh, there has to be a definitive step up in performance yeah. to justify the James balance to keep him beyond two years. Yeah. Um, because there's a whole host of drivers that want that could take that seat. Frederick Besty, um, someone else from F. I wonder how that went. So we'll see. Yeah, um, I don't know. It's a very opportune place to be. Um, as far as the F2 championship, it actually closed up some more. Uh, Vesti is still sitting at the top. By 11 points over Teo Porsche, who's 10 points ahead of Ayuma Iwasa. And that whole series is up for grabs. Quite frankly, watching those races is one of the most exciting things. Uh, and also, yeah. not, the cars are much closer together, and nobody really gets lapped in those races unless they're god awful. Like, if you have a Mavi yeah. Ragunathan or Alessio Delita, then you get people who get lapped. But outside of that, like I feel like this year's F2 grid is pretty competitive with each other. Um, and you also have three superstars coming out. I won't say they're like Shaw Leclerc or George Russell, Orlando Norris type, or even Alex Albon type uh, talents yet, but they're all really good drivers. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, you know, next week we have Spa. And... There are cars on the grid right now that, like, obviously Red Bull is going to be good there because they have the straight line speed, they have the quartering speed, their upgrade package clearly works. Uh, yep. Last year we saw Alex Albon score two points in the Williams, and he had, I think he held a train of like four cars behind him for most of the race. Yeah. Uh, and he's getting these comparisons to, I don't know if you know who this is, but Yarno Truly. I know who he is. And okay. Yeah, I know who he is. He yeah. developed this reputation for this thing called the Truly Train, because oh. he was he had this amazing qualifying pace where he would qualify like third or fourth on the grid, and he would lose out on a couple spots to the people who were actually better. But yeah. then he got this D- like it wasn't a DRS train, a train of cars behind him. He was just fast enough where they couldn't get past him, but just slow enough where it would make everybody behind him frustrated. Yeah. <laughs> That's Alex Albon right I now. I can imagine. <laughs> 
<laughs> yep. Uh, we saw it in Canada. We get to see it. We got to see it today with uh, Valtteri, and I feel like we're gonna see it again in Belgium. <laughs> so. Yeah, probably. Um, he has to do qualifying. It's gonna be a train. Yeah, and then the only other team that I'm thinking is gonna be fast, just because they have been already, is McLaren. Um, they're still lacking in the straight line speed department, uh, but it has been shown that they are faster than Mercedes in a straight line. Yeah. Outside of that, though, their second sector and third sector should be like probably purple sectors are pretty close to it because it's a lot of high speed and medium speed corners for them. And we all know yeah. how nice it is to watch people take, uh, I want to say it's turn eight flat out. Yeah. Lewis has the cleanest videos of it. I don't know if anybody's seen it, but if you just look at it, no, up, I've oh. I've seen him. I've seen in that W eleven. Yes, <laughs> in the W eleven, flat out through most. Of, oh my god, it's that car. I think about that car every day. <laughs> yes, that car was was perfect, just perfect. <laughs> I was actually like curious as to why, like, what made the W eleven so special. Um, besides the fact that it was the first black Mercedes that they had in their, since their conception of the team. Uh, looking at the times between the W10 um, and the W12 and then the W11, there was something to be said about that car. And the fact that Mercedes actually somehow managed to take a back step with the W12 kind of scares me. No, but the W the W12 was a 2021 car, yeah. right? I, the W12, there was also in 2021, there were, I thought the FIA had put in technical, had inserted technical regulations um, at the beginning of the season with regards to the floor, I think, mm-hmm. um, which were considered directed at Mercedes to, to slow them down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what, I think that's what slowed them down. It was, it was directed at low rake cars, um, the tech, at the tech, so like that, and then asked him, because uh, they were the pink Mercedes at the time, yeah. or the green Mercedes, they were also affected, um, which is which is ironic when you consider that the FIA president recently said uh, that we can't introduce technical regulations to slow to slow people <laughs> down. So you know, yeah. the, the the hypocrisy is not lost on on Mercedes <laughs> fans. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, if you haven't looked at them, I literally have. There's no reason for me to say this, but like. Formula Addict, if you look at any of their videos, they have some of the uh, yeah, stuff. they like show you yeah, all their times, the uh, the racing lines that they follow. One of the coolest things. Um, but that's all we have for you guys today. And Jakob's going to take us out. But <laughs> if you stayed to the end, let me know what your thoughts were on the race or what you think is going to happen in Belgium next week. And yeah. Yeah, uh, it's lights out and a 